that you never forget. Sammy? everything looks it's hard to find our house ours is the dark house with no lights in this family it's the scientists versus the artists sammy's on my team takes after me what he does that's playful or imaginative. You could afford to be a little encouraging. She should have been a concert piano player. What she got in her heart is what you got. You can't just love something, you also have to take care of it. It's more important than your hobby. Can you stop calling it a hobby? Mom got a monkey! Why'd you get a monkey? Because I needed a laugh. You always have to be the center of attention. Stop shouting at her! That has been nothing but disrespect from you! I'm your mother! Family, art, it'll tear you in two. You stop making movies, it'll break your mother's heart. I don't know what to do anymore. You do what your heart says you have to. What was your favorite part? Hello, it's movie. Welcome to Movie Umbers. I'm Bob Sham. I'm Angela. And uh, the sounds you hear may be dogs. Maybe cats. Maybe. And uh, one half of our theme this month is catching up. Yeah. On some hyped up movies from 2022 that we missed 2022 was a pretty good ass year granted we are picking those stuff that people talked about so but still there's a lot of good movies but not everybody knows about all of them because i was telling two people about rrr today and they had no idea what i was talking about and i was like you guys this movie is amazing yes well that has become our most popular episode well it was one of the best movies we've seen in a really i mean fun movies we've seen in a really long time yes totally fun it's the most fun pure escapism spectacle just joy joyful and this one and this movie we're talking about it does feature escapism within the movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is a Steven Spielberg joint. Yes. You know, back in the 2000s when I was a younger, thinking I knew everything about what was good in a movie, you know, at that time, if you the, you threw around the name Steven Spielberg, I would have been like, oh, uh, come on. Yeah, yeah, How yeah. How many more movies does this guy need to make? I mean, but listen, that's around the time he made AI. <laughs> well, uh, let me tell you, give me, let me give you a peek into the, the new year. Yeah. There is a month. I'll see if you, you won't remember this at all, so it'll be fun to tell you. <laughs> and you act shocked when it happens. There's a category scheduled for next year called 21st Century Spielberg. Oh, God. In which we will be discussing <laughs> most 
Steven Spielberg oh, movies God. from 2000 and up. Okay. And he made a lot. And I couldn't fit them all in. But a, a very varied amount of movies. So mm-hmm. uh, just get ready to watch Ready Player One again. So look, the man's hit, hitted and he dismissed it. <laughs> the man is hitted and he dismissed it. <laughs> He's made some great shit back Aww. in the day. He is the man of our childhood, right? Do you know that Drew Barrymore thought E.T. was real? And there was this one time where he wasn't moving and she was like, what's wrong with E.T.? He doesn't feel good or something. It got back to Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg made sure that someone was always working the puppet of E.T. He interacted with real Drew Barrymore on the reg. (laughs) Like, they kept it up real that this little girl... So, when she's, like, crying because E.T.'s dying, she thought E.T. was... Yeah, she did. I watched an interview with her. It was the mom and the brother telling her this story. Because she was like, I thought he was real. And they were like, you know why you thought he was real? Because Steven made him real for you. That's why she seemed like a good actor. Because she She was actually... She believed it. Because if you watch her in most any other movie, it's... Oh, come on. Drew Barrymore's good at being cute, right? Like, that's what she does. She's good at being cute. She's herself, and she picks parts that fit. Hey, I ain't saying I didn't have a mad crush on her when I was a teenager, being all wild child and shit. But if you really look at the the depth of the performances Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. the, the brevity she brings to it, it's... Look, there's a few actors out there, and you know what? She's a, she's doing her talk show, yeah. uh, middle-aged vibe. Look, she looks like she's having fun. More power to her. Sure. But there are some actors over the years, and some today, that we haven't touched too much on where I'm like, I get that you're like leading this movie, but I don't understand. Uh, right place, right time. Yep. She's probably wonderful to work with. Anyway, kids are dumb as hell, right? So yeah, kids are stupid. Kids are so dumb. And this movie, we're talking. We haven't even said the movie title. The Fablemans. Meet the Fablemans. I've, yes, I've been calling it that for like eight months, but it's, it's the, Fablemans. the Fablemans. And and it is about a little boy named Sammy, a little dumbass kid named Sammy Fableman. I guess immediately you get that. You get you kind of roll your eyes at the title because mm-hmm. this is this is written by uh, Steven Spielberg and Tony Kushner. You know who Tony Kushner I do. is. Angels in America. That's right. And he's worked with Steven before. He's extremely talented. Uh, well, I mean, this is... I actually thought that in just pure writing in this... I thought this movie was actually very well written. This also makes me... I did not... I think you had told me at one point that Tony Kushner wrote it. I had forgotten. It also makes a lot of sense, too, that we saw uh, Judd Hirsch. Because they've worked together I love me some Judd Hirsch. Me, too. And you know they wrote that part for him. Also, how can a movie be this Jewish and not have one Richard Kind appearance? <laughs> He is the most chosen of the chosen people. You know, uh, 20 years ago, he would have been Benny. Oh, yeah. You know? There just wasn't a part for him in this. <laughs> but 20 years ago, he would have been the Benny. I thought everyone did great in this I movie. I too. And I really... Paul Dano. <laughs> Paul Dano's fucking good. He, I he's love not, Paul Dano. He's not that old, but he totally embodied this aw shucks uh, 50s dad character. Yeah. And Michelle Williams, like, she looked... I mean, she's only a little bit older than us. Mm-hmm. Another, another actor I had a mad crush Amazing, on, like yes. in the two thousands, right? Yeah. But she did embody this kind of nerdy mom who plays her music, and you know what I'm saying? Well, like, 
She yes. Did, she felt like like a music teacher I would have had in elementary school. Okay, yes. She was giving me like hardcore college arts professor vibe. But the thing that was so beautiful about her performance is that she played a woman with mental illness. It was interesting to watch her kind of go up and down because she was very like driven by her emotions. And, you know, that's something that I have dealt with. Yeah. A lot in my life. I feel like I'm doing good now. Well, but there have been times where I like could cry at the... You, you are the most emotionally reactive one. I wish people could see you watching these movies sometimes. Oh, because yeah. you'll just get like... <laughs> that's why I have to kind of clarify. It's like, you're supposed to be feeling these feelings. Yeah, like, I'll be like, you're I just hate fucking him. angry. And I have to clarify <laughs> that you're mad at the character and not the movie. But I, I get swept up in it. And so right. I could really relate to her in that because she gets swept up in music. She gets swept up in these films that her son does. Like she's so encouraging and so wonderful, but then she has these like really low lows and you, she played it so well, like all the parts of this woman that I really felt like I knew her. I've known her, Yeah, you know, and, and, and loved her and hated her, Yeah, you know, because you do, because she's not always going to be the same. And this, she does crazy shit sometimes. This is, I, she's brilliant. This is essentially the childhood of Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. And he loved to watch his mother dance in a sheer dress in the headlights. Let's establish who these characters are, what okay. they do. Okay. They are the Fablemans. They are a Jewish family. You can tell they're Jewish because at Christmas time, there's no lights on at the house. That's a lovely opening scene. He's like... His dad's like, the lights are so bright, I can't see our house. And Sammy's like, our house is the dark one without any lights. <laughs> Their dad is a genius computer engineer type. He ends up working for IBM. He's kind of on the gl- ground floor for the state-of-the-artness that will be in everyone's homes. He's talking later. about personal computer situations. Yes. You know, when they're thinking like big and industrial, he's like, we could do this. And- for everyone. Paul Dano. So Very good. good. They got the mother. She's a homemaker. She's into music. She gave up her career. She is a brilliant musician. Her uncle talks about she could have been famous. Like, she could have been playing in Vienna. But she gave it up because her mother was like, you cannot do both and you need the stability of a family. Uh, and they're like first generation, like... Paul Dano and Michelle Williams, they're first-generation Russian Jewish immigrants. Yeah. They've got, like, three daughters and one son. One son is Sammy. That's, yeah, they have one of the daughters Steven. in. Yeah, that's Stephen. And, yeah, they end up having, like, five kids total or something like that. No, they like have that, four. Right? The little baby, the third girl, is the last one. Uh, in the beginning, we see the Nana, who is Paul Dano's mom. She's great. Very kind of underrated little performance. Seth Rogen plays Benny, who's, like, an honorary uncle to the kids, and as a close family friend. He's is, always there. He's Paul Dano's best friend, but he's also, like, very close with their mom. Yeah, and what is the mom's name? I can't remember. Yeah, okay, that's fine. I never remember characters' names. Benny, that's why I, I just say like the I actor because name. They say Benny and Sammy's names over and over and over and over again. I also feel like we've always known people like this. It's like the third person... Always with a couple. And a lot of times, it's just completely innocent. They've all grown up together. They all know each other. They're like a brother or whatever. Um, and that's how you think this is going. Yeah. At the beginning. They go to see The Greatest Show on Earth by Cecil B. DeMille. And he's like five. He's and, little. And there's this crane, train, crane, train crash scene. And it really hits him for Hanukkah. Each day of Hanukkah, uh, he gets a train set. And then a part of a train, you know, his father's very encouraging at first. As he gets older, he becomes a little more dismissive 
of his filmmaking obsessions. Yeah. But they put together the train. And what's funny is, like, Cecil B. DeMille probably used models to make that There's train crash. There's actually a scene that they show that looks like a model. Yeah. Because like, it was an old it was old movies. You were doing the best you could. So when they're recreating that scene, it's probably, other than just setting up more particular miniature settings, is as good as DeMille probably made it. What's interesting is, at first... Sammy's just crashing the train into things over and over again. And his dad is like, you can't play with this train. You're going to ruin it. Like, you're going like, to, you have to respect it. And he's like, I do respect it. I love it. Like, he loves this train. But he tells his mom, he's like, I just, I need to see it crash. Yeah. And something clicks for her where she's like, I don't think my kid is crazy. I think my kid is brilliant so she gives him a camera and says you can crash once you can make a movie and and then then you can can watch it it over and over again and don't tell your dad because she doesn't want the dad to know she told him to crash the train but she's like i understand your need to relive this over and over again so i'm going to give you away he makes this movie that's like great he's like i'm sorry i had to crash it more than once and she's like this is brilliant yeah because so he did like little angles. So that sparks the fact that he's going to be a little movie maker. Yeah. And they he makes movies with his friends. They end up moving to Phoenix. He meets all these friends in a scout troop. Right. And they're making all of these films. They go see the man who shot Liberty Valance. And then they're making westerns. They see a war movie. And then they're making a war movie. Mm-hmm. And it's like these charming scenes where Sammy's trying to figure out how to pull emotion from his friends and like this one kid is so rattled playing this guy who has to kill that scene was great. who has to fight through this unit that killed their friends and like he's walking off like like actually shell shocked <laughs> they like are calling after him and he's still walking because he's so in his feelings but the part about that before that before sammy got him there he literally looked at sammy he's like you want me to act yeah, and yeah. He's like yeah and then he like gets in there like he tells him the story which is i mean he just inherently has that. Yeah. And you have to have that to be a good director. You Sa- can't just know how to blow things up. And as Sammy is getting a little bit older, uh, his dad is like, he's supportive of, he calls it his hobby. Yeah. His mother knows better because he's more like his mother. He's in terms of how he sees art and how he, he can't really get away from it. Yeah. Because even though she's more of a housewife, she's always on the piano. Mm-hmm. And she does have a couple of showings here and there. She's on TV at some point. Oh, Benny moves with them to Phoenix. That's right. As well. Like, the dad gets him she a job. She insists on it. Michelle Williams insists yeah, on it. Yeah, she's like, he's your best friend. We, You cannot leave him, is what she tells and, her husband. And Benny's a crafty guy, but he's not at Paul Dano's engineering level. No, yeah. So there becomes a ceiling for Benny. But Benny is also... Like, very goofy and, like, fun to be around. The one critique I have of Seth Rogen in general is his laugh (laughs) is always exactly the same. Well, that's his laugh. That's his real laugh. I know. But it's like, I don't know. I guess, like, but it's just just that one. He sounds like the the dog from The Muppet. He does. He always has. It just took me out of it a few times because I've listened to him on podcasts and stuff, and he has the same exact laugh, and it just took me out of it to go like, oh, that's his, because it's so distinct. Seth Rogen, why didn't you change your laugh? I mean, give Vinny his own laugh. That's Seth Rogen's Practice laugh. your other laugh. Be a better actor. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, 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 ha. 
<laughs> Maybe he's a chuckler instead of a guffar. Nah, he's a guffar. He is a guffar. You're right. <laughs> Benny is Seth Rogen in the fifth. He's just playing himself. <laughs> but it, I mean, it worked just fine. I can also see why he's like people are drawn to him and why yeah. why Michelle Williams is so charmed by him. Yeah. So they go on a camping trip. Benny's there. Yeah. And this is kind of interesting because. Uh, there's all these things happening, and there's a part where Michelle Williams is just dancing around. Well, she's- and then they're like, if only we had more light or something. And then Benny's like, oh, more light? And she's in front of the car, and he turns the lights on yeah. in the car. And then, like, Benny and Sammy and his dad are just sitting there, and she's wearing this dress that's, like, sheer. Yeah. Like, you can see her, her n- nude frame through the headlights mm-hmm. as she's bouncing around. Yeah. And the, one of the daughters is like trying to stop her. Like, this was mom, wonderful. mom, they can see you. They can see right through your dress. And Sammy's like, get out of the way. Well, cause I'm, at one point, I'm getting horny looking at my mom. It was not, it was not what was happening. Look, he's a, there wasn't anything horny about what she was doing. You said bouncing around, like her boobs were jiggling everywhere. She was basically like doing a half ballerina. I know, but she wasn't like swinging her boobs around. What I'm, what I was going to say is I didn't say she was twerking. You said bouncing around. Listen, I just want to paint the picture here because she's also like emotionally going through something. This is one of her moments because the dad has told the kids during this trip that they may go to California. He's got this job offer, but he says it's up to your mother. Mm-hmm. I have said it's completely her decision. And she's like, why would I ever want to leave here? Like she'd said that earlier in the day. She really so, likes Phoenix. She really likes Phoenix. She likes the trees. She likes... The client, like being there. She likes 120 degree summers. She loves it. Um, and yeah, she's dancing and she's kind of working this out. But the little girl, I feel like that little girl, I, I really related to the little girl a lot. Not just in this scene, but in like a lot of moments. She was actually a really great little actress, that little girl. Reggie, I think she played. But yeah, she's totally embarrassed by her mom and she's trying to get her to stop dancing. And it's this like, she's embarrassed. Because she's at the age where she's embarrassed of her own body. She probably also recognizes that her mom is maybe a little manic right now. Yeah. And not thinking about the fact that she's basically dancing naked in front of her child. That daughter ends up kind of providing context to to Sammy about why maybe their parents' relationship isn't working out. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting. She's a little bit wiser. She's neurotic, but a little bit sharper in terms mm-hmm. of what's happening. Well, after the camping trip, uh Michelle Williams' mother dies and she's fucking devastated. Mm-hmm. And she gets this she it's like a delusional phone call. She del- she we think she's going crazy. She, not really. She's a weirdo, but she's not like going crazy. Yeah. But she thinks her mother called her on the phone one night. Yeah. And there was this voice that said like don't let him in. It'll, there's a man coming. There's a man coming. Don't let him in. It'll break up your whole family. Yeah. Meanwhile, Paul Dano is like, you know, Sammy has this big war picture he's trying to make. And Paul Dano, the dad, why don't you take footage from our camping trip and put it together for your mom? Yeah. She, she's going to love it. And, he, and Especially the dancing part. And Sammy's like questioning it. And he's like, just do it. She'll love it because you made it. It'll make her feel better. Sammy's like very much. I don't know why Sammy's not jumping on board. I guess he's just serious about his schedule. 
but he's focused on what he's doing. The the sister later says that he and she are the most selfish people in the family. Like they only think of themselves. And so, and that's when the mother and him. I mean. And then uh, a couple of days later, mm-hmm. uncle, the uncle. It's the next day after the mom says, "Don't open the door for the man." Judd Hirsch comes up there. It's okay. their uncle, and he's had experience in entertainment, in the circus, Been whatever. He's got. He's he's or a worked on movies. Total fun dude. He's got all the cool stories for the kids. Staying in Sammy's room, yeah, and he's telling Sammy, "Is like you know your art. It's going to tear you in two. You can't. It's hard to love and then commit to your art at the same time. Yeah, you have to it, choose. Often you have to choose, and it's never an easy decision. And he essentially talks him into like making the thing for his mom. Yeah, after his uncle visits, and this is what this is." The premonition that, like, don't let the man in. He's going to tear your family apart. So Sammy's like, fine. I'll, he goes and he got he has his little editing machine. And then he notices that. Oh, his, his dad bought him this editing machine. Yeah. That he didn't want to spend the money on because it was expensive for a hobby. But he was like, learn to do it by making a thing for your mom. And she sees Benny and his mom very close touching. There's a point where he's trying. Benny's putting his arm like down by her waist and she's like, no, mm-hmm. as they're walking off. And there's a part and parts where they're just like embracing. And, and just he, the way she looks at him. And he notices that they're constantly together at every little point. Separate uh, from the rest of the family a lot of and, times. And, sh- and then he realizes that at the very least, there's like an affair, an emotional affair. Emotional. Affair. It's emotional. She never, she, uh, she said she never slept with him later, yeah. right? Because I don't think she did. Because after that, he puts the movie together, but he puts together, he makes two movies, one that he could show the whole family mm-hmm. and his mother loves it. But then, of course, he's resentful of his mother. He's so and he's mad not she communicating at it. it. Yeah. And she's like, talk to me, talk to me. He brings her into a closet and shows her another cut of the movie of her and Benny just hanging out and loving each other. Mm-hmm. And she comes out and she crawls out crying. Very fantastic scene. It really was. This is the best Steven Spielberg movie I've seen in a long ass time. I agree. Maybe the best ever for me. And I will admit that, you know, going into the 21st century, you know, most of my Spielberg is 70s, 80s, 90s, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But going into the 21st century, admittedly, with the exception of a few movies, um, I kind of just avoided them. Yeah. It just, it was like, I'm going to move on from them. He's entered another phase of his career with this movie. And this movie, like, he really did make something that was as good as shit that he was making way back then. And there's movies, I mean, he's made five. Bridge of Spies was okay. Not, like, all that. I Um, saw that. I'm trying to even think. AI was okay. No. Yeah, this scene, she crawls out of the closet crying and saying to him like i'm so sorry i'm so sorry and he immediately sees how broken she is and he falls on the floor with her and he's like i will never tell so it becomes something a secret that they share and it's kind of appropriate because they're so alike you know they're so he's very connected to his mother if freud was watching this movie he'd be like yeah Yeah." we do not subscribe to freud in this house um well has he got a freud plus program how much is it a month? There's something important to do. Say. We really? You've never declared that ever in our lives. I don't like you. Just suddenly like we don't subscribe to Freud in this. Sorry, house. listen. We've never okay. even had a conversation. Can I just you say, said that like it's like 
Pr- like we printed it out and put it I've on the been, wall okay, or something. I haven't had the I haven't had a conversation with you about it, but I have been thinking about it because I was listening to a podcast where they were talking a lot about Freud. Listen, he's bad news. Okay, so, but it's important to say that right ahead of this scene, the thing that kind of like broke them and made her start screaming like, you have to tell me what's going on. And he finally broke to tell her what was going on is that she smacks him in the oh, back. Right. And she smacks him so hard that she leaves a red handprint on his back. And he's a he's supposed to go do like a like a swim tryout that day and get like a swim badge. And he can't go because hi, it looks like his mom beat him. So and but it was it was her it was weird because she never hit him before that and never after that. But she did she was so frustrated and so overcome with emotion and, and it was weird because I think she was gonna smack him in the face. But he turned his back on her. Yeah. And so she smacked him really hard in his back. And yeah, so, but anyway, that was when she was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I just don't understand why you hate me so much. Like, what is happening? Yeah, yeah. And that's when he was like, this. So they had had this extremely emotional roller coaster of like 10 minutes. Yeah. But in that moment, they bonded in a way that it comes back around later. Like, he now knows something about his mother at this point that no one else knows. And she does later tell him that they never did anything. Or they never at least slept together. Because at one point she says to him, she's like, we never did anything near what you probably think we did. Mm. You know? Because I think, too, even though she did love Benny... I think she there was also, comfort with Benny, but she loved she, their dad. She does love their dad. She does love their dad, and I think she respects their dad enough not to cheat on him. I don't think that she would cheat on him because she wouldn't want she wouldn't want to also break everything up. She was scared. She didn't want to lose him. He's a good man. Mm-hmm. So they're going to move to California, but Sammy is this whole experience has kind of caused him to put down the camera for a while. So he's going before they're moving. He's going to sell the camera at like some pawn shop or something mm-hmm. or some electronics store. Yeah. And Benny's there. Yeah. And Benny has something in a box and he hawks his camera. And Benny's like, you selling your camera? And he's like, yeah, I'm done making movies. And he's resentful of Benny. But you could tell he doesn't fully hate Benny. He's just like angry at everything. And and Phoenix is kind of nice for them. And only the dad really wants to go. Yeah, no one wants to leave. Because he has like a big posse of friends who he makes movies with right he's building a network too so so benny hands him a box and or he shows him he opens up the box and it's like a new camera yeah better than the one he just pawned he's like i was giving this to you because in california you gotta make movies right and And he and he turns around and he walks off like he's not taking it and benny he knows why he's mad at him He's not saying it. It's unspoken. Mm-hmm. But he understands why he's upset at yeah. him. And Benny is accepting of the fact that it's for the best for the whole family mm-hmm. and the father if they just go ahead and he takes his job in California. Because I think lives he also life. genuinely loves all of he them. Wants, Dad included. He, he does loves want them. what's best for them and he yeah. does care for these kids. And he wants to give, you know, Sammy this camera, even though he knows why he's angry at him. And and Sammy's like, look, I'll give you thirty eight bucks for it. And so he's like, deal. And he hands him the 38 bucks and he hands him the camera. And then Benny forces him to hug. And he's like, all right, you know, take care of yourself. Um, he says, you can't stop making films because it would break your mother's heart. And so he goes off and then um, Sammy realizes he put the money back into his pocket and he's driving off at that yeah. point. 
So they cut to California and they're in this old stodgy rental. Everyone kind of hates it. They're going to a new school. We only really see Sammy in high school. He's the new kid and he's a Jewish kid in a Northern California town. And he's the only Jewish kid. Mm-hmm. And so he's dealing with anti-Semitism. Bad, some, yeah. Some bullies that obviously have like these weird insecurity issues. And so he's dealing with the ups and downs of that. But I loved how the movie didn't harp so melodramatically on that. Yeah. Like almost as something that was like a matter of fact. Yep. And then it kind of shows how he just kind of makes his way as a normal everyday American Jewish boy in this environment. Mm -hmm. Instead of it being like this overwrought like, you know. And then he, he gets this little girlfriend who's like this, who loves Jesus. She's she loves, loves Jesus. Jesus. She thinks she, Jesus is sexy. And since Jesus is Jewish and Sammy's Jewish and he's a cute Jewish boy and she loves Jesus who's Jewish. So so Sammy gets his first girlfriend. Mm-hmm. This like little really <laughs> hyper Christian girl, which is very funny. Yeah. And, but And she wants to, uh, she's trying to uh, get him to take Jesus inside of him. Yeah. It's these all this language that you hear. Uh, often evangelical media say unironically, like, let Jesus enter you, like, inside, on my knees for I was going to say, on my stuff, knees is the best. Stuff like, stuff like that. Yeah. Sammy's dealing with the ups and downs of bully shit. It sucks. And so it comes around that he likes movies. And, sh- and apparently his girlfriend's dad has access to gear and stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And A she, really good camera. And she... He kind of gets back into the filmmaking experience when she essentially is her and the family kind of talk him into, why don't you do our ditch day? Mm-hmm. Record our ditch day where they all go to, the uh, beach. go to the beach. Everyone knows you're ditching. It's like a senior thing. So he films the ditch day and he does all these little tricks where he fakes like ice cream plops or like bird shit and he has fun with it. And so it's, they go to the prom together. His girlfriend's going to another school and he's, Going to end up going to Los Angeles. And so, like, there's this kind of cute thing where they know they can't be together permanently. Well, he wants them to be. Yeah, he wants to, but she's like, silly, I'm not going to break up with you right now, but I'm going to have to break up with you eventually, right? But then he's like, no, you just come with me. Like, come with me. And she's like, no. And he's given her this, like, cross necklace. Yeah. And this is a cute line. She goes, did you find Jesus, Sammy? And he goes, in a jewelry store because he bought her this like crucifix, but she gives it back to him as like the breakup. So they show this movie. It's well done. The class, the senior class loves mm-hmm. it. And there, and there's two bullies. There's one who's like this smaller dude who's such a little twat. Mm-hmm. And the other guy who's a little more subtle, but he's trying to be nice so he can get a girl, but he's, He's almost more calculated than the little twat, right? Well, he's, he also, though, kind of has a little bit of that, like, classic, like, stereotypical dumb jock thing going on. And in this he mo- got a couple girlfriends. And in this movie, the little twat bully looks like some, like, lonely sad bag. Mm-hmm. But he makes his friend, the more jockish bully, look like a freaking superstar. Mm-hmm. And so the movie's over, and they're everyone's cheering that guy because he looks great in the movie. And so Sammy's like out in the hall, and this he, was very interesting. And to he me. gets confronted by that bully, and he's like, "What are you doing? Why are why did you, I've been nothing but mean to you? Why, why did, did you make me look like that? Why did you make me look like I'm fucking like I can do things, like I can do something? Because he's afraid 
that he's being overpresented mm-hmm. because he's deeply insecure that he's peaked, that he's at his peak. I think that's him realizing. And then he can't he can't deliver more than what a, a movie that shows him how he can't live up to the greatness of seeing himself in a movie. Mm-hmm. He saw himself looking amazing on film. And he's like, that's and not he who real- I am. And he realized, like, that is not who I am. And he becomes very insecure about it. Mm-hmm. So he's like, he's threatening them, but they kind of talk through it. I don't I wouldn't say they like each other much more, but there became like a weird begrudging respect. When you get to the point where you're gonna pass a joint to someone, you're yeah. all right. And so he was just like, don't tell anyone we have this conversation ever. Mm-hmm. And then Steven Spielberg and Tony Kushner would write it in a script like sixty years later. But the mother is fucking miserable. She hates California. She's depressed. They got a monkey to kind of make things more fun. That she named Benny. That she named Benny. That was I was like Girl, you're showing all your cards and right it, now. And it, she's not subtle with, with who she cares about in her life. Eventually, it's like Paul Dano's got to be like, we're getting a divorce. And it's he's very kind of accepting of it. He, you know, he never says, like, we never get a scene where he and her are like, I know you love him or whatever. And thank God, because that would be just such a... The way it's pulled back and the way it deals with it, because it's mostly in the orbit of the kids. And he understands. And yeah. he still loves her. And he still loves him. And there is an understanding between them that they, the part of each other will always love each other. Yes. And at this point, I'm just like, be a thruple. Well, you know. Right? Be a thru- thruple up. Totally. But, but Benny can't cut it at IBM. No. Benny has hit his peak in Phoenix. I kind of related to Benny, I gotta be honest. I get it too. Like, you know, he was, you know, the thing that was so great about Paul Dano in this moment, the mom's name is Mitzi, by the way. I remembered it. The thing about Paul Dano telling his kids about this that really got me was how he was taking all the blame. He was like, don't be mad at your mom. This is my idea. I think this is best for your mom. No, it wasn't at all. Well, I think he could see it, right? Like, I think think that when she finally broke down, because she told Sammy she tried to tell the dad a bunch of times, you know, but she she couldn't get it out um, that she cared for Benny. And so I think that when it finally came down to it, Paul Dano is a smart man. He saw it. He just didn't want to see it because he loved her. And I think that when she finally told him, I think he made it as easy on her as he could because of how much he loves her. He's an amazing person. But he does even with the children because we find out later, obviously, the girls go with her, right? And the son stays in California with the dad, which makes sense because he wants to be in California anyway. But it's almost like Paul Dano's character even had the foresight to go, okay, the girls are going to go with their mom. The girls cannot be mad at their mom. Yeah. They need to go and be able to be happy. And if they need to be mad at somebody, they should be mad at me because I am here and I am separate. Mm -hmm. That was what I, it was just sort of remarkable to me. Yeah. And Sammy's real frustrated at the the divorce. Mm -hmm. And then his sister, and then his sister, who the one we referenced earlier, She's like, you know, it's not easy being married to a genius. Like, you're just always going to get sucked up into his orbit. And, you know, maybe she's had issues with her mom, but she does understand, like, how her emotions have, like, split her in two. Mm -hmm. So she she basically tells her brother, she's like, and you're just like her. You're exactly like her. She also at one point says that their dad was her biggest fan. But Benny was her best audience. Yeah. Which I thought was also really beautiful. Like he gave her the kind of attention she needed. He was pay- he was overly 
excited and encouraging where the dad might just be like, oh, that sounds beautiful. Yeah. You know, like the dad loved her and appreciated her. The dad almost has. have that. The dad almost had like how you would when you're like teaching a kindergarten class where you're just constantly being encouraging. But Benny is the guy that tells you like who's willing to make the jokes and tell you that your fingernails are too long and they're clicking on the piano. (laughs) Like he's just a little more honest, a little more down to earth. Yeah. And he doesn't hold her with such kid gloves because he knows that she can handle some things. And I feel like the dad has seen her swing so much, but Benny has too, but they just approach her differently. The dad has seen her get so depressed at times and he doesn't know how to help her. He doesn't know how to get her out of it. That's why he asked Sammy to make that video. He's like, I don't know what to do. We get down to Los Angeles. Uh, Sammy is going to his dad's apartment. He's going to school like an hour and a half away. Mm-hmm. He fucking hates it. And he's like, Dad, I can't. I hate going to school. I hate going to school. I've been sending letters to these studios to do some work for them. And his dad, who, you know, always respected it, but always called it a hobby. Mm-hmm. He wanted him to go on. To be more serious. He also was truly like, just go to school and then I don't care what you do. But like, you need to go to school. And then at this point, he's like, just do what you want to do. I understand. I'm sorry. You know, just do what you want to do. This was also one of the most beautiful lines when he said to him, like, we're always going to know each other. And Sammy said, how do you know that? You and mom don't. And Paul Dano goes... Yes, we do. We always will. We always will. We've known each other so long. Our story has been going on for so long that we can't say the end. They get a, they, they're, he's looking through the mail and one of the mails they got is just a letter from her and some pictures of her and Benny and the girls at a barbecue. Mm -hmm. And he's just, this dad is such a good dad. He's just so happy that everyone in the picture is so happy. He does get a little teary-eyed when he sees how happy the mom looks with Benny, though. Yeah. Yeah. And, but then there's another letter from a studio uh, that is finally the first one that has responded to Sammy. Mm -hmm. So he goes, we cut to him, he's going to the studio, and... um, It's our friend from Heroes. It's that guy from Heroes, another guy from Heroes. Who crashed the plane and lost... And yeah, that guy. <laughs> and and that guy's like he's he's kind of like very sympathetic with Sammy. He's like, you remind me of me. When yeah, I he's like, this letter is like letters yeah, I used like, to this send. This is what I used to do. And he's like, yeah. oh, there's someone I'd like you to meet. So he takes him into the office. This is the very end, right? So great. He takes him into the office, <laughs> and this lady sits him down. He's like, uh, he's out right now, um, but you can wait here if you want. It might be hours. It might be hours. <laughs> And then, uh, and he doesn't even know whose office he is. And then he sees these posters, the searchers, the man who shot Liberty Valance. Valance. And he realizes he's sitting in John Ford's office, one of the great Western, great American filmmakers. The few good John Wayne movies are the ones he made. (laughs) Yeah. And so Sammy's like, oh shit. And then John Ford comes in and it's David Lynch who fucking looks just like old ass John Ford with his eye patch on and he sits at the desk and he goes in. He's got lipstick all over him. Oh yeah, he's got, <laughs> he's got lipstick and the, and the immediately the secretary's like, Whoo! and like picks up some Kleenexes and follows him into his office and comes back with like lipstick covered Kleenexes. So he's, he has Sammy <laughs> sit in front of him. He's like, what do you want? He's, and Sammy's like, I want to be a filmmaker. He's like, so you want to be a filmmaker? That's like in the Lynch voice. And he's like, look at that picture over there. And he has Sammy describe it. And the picture is of some, you know, cowboys up on a sunset in the 
the horizon is low. And then he's like, look at this other picture. Tell me what you see. And his cowboy's like hiding behind some rocks and the, the horizon is high. Tell me where the horizon is on these photos is, oh, well, this one is low and that one is high. That's right. If you put the horizon low, it's interesting. If you put the horizon high, it's interesting. If you put the horizon dead in the middle, it's boring as shit. (laughs) I like your David Lynch impression. (laughs) Now get the fuck out. (laughs) And then Sammy leaves. He comes back and he stops. He says, thank you. Anytime, kid. And then Sammy walks out. And I noticed this immediately. (laughs) And I thought it made the movie made a contradiction. Sammy's walking out into the lot and the horizon line is in the middle. And and right when I went, the horizon line's in the middle. Then the camera shoots up. (laughs) And the horizon line is at the bottom. And that's the end of the movie. It was great. So we hunt movies. Yes. We're going to give this one through five each. Mm -hmm, Combined mm -hmm, for mm -hmm, mm -hmm. best out of ten. Uh, I will say that I really, uh, really enjoyed uh, this this uh, movie. I thought it was very heartfelt and kind of captured, you know, that Spielberg magic without being like overtly corny, well yeah, acted. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I felt like he made his best movie in like decades, to mm-hmm. be quite honest. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think? I agree with everything you just said. I think it is. A 4.5. I'm going to match you 4.5. Okay. I really, honestly, like, I'm trying to even think of, like, we asked what would we change. I don't know if I would change anything. Maybe you would change yeah. Seth Rogen's laugh that he was born with his whole life. <laughs> but this was, like, such a delight. <laughs> this was a delightful movie. It just was. Yeah, it was. I, I expected something. It was just, like, a nice movie. I honestly expected it to be sappier maybe i don't know i didn't have high expectations i wasn't looking forward to it necessarily i like all the people in it so i was like well at least get to look at people that i know i enjoy and they're gonna act well but i just i just i guess expected it to be maybe more melodramatic or something overdone the movie's all about living your dreams right which in and of itself can come off real corny real easy yeah but it struck that balance really well it really did i think that i think the setting the time period helps a lot yeah, they captured that time period really good. Yeah. We don't always see people accomplish that that easily. That's true. Uh, Air did not accomplish that. and At all. Like, it was, that's supposed to be like mid-80s or some shit. Nope. No. Nope. So, but this movie that fucking movie not good. nailed it. Okay, but this is a nine. 8.7. Oh, nine. This is a nine. So, it's above, so it's like under Wild at Heart between Tar and Wild at Heart. Yeah. I don't. For me, I don't know if it's better than Tar, but I know I went higher on Tar than you. But I if will. you want to put it under Tar, that's fine. But I, I, I liked this more than I liked Tar. It's definitely a more designed to be a much more enjoyable movie yes. than Tar. Yes, yes, it's more rewatchable. And there it is, folks. The Fablemans under the newly rescored uh, Wild at Heart and under Tar. There you go. Yeah. Very good, Steven Spielberg. There was a time where you put a Steven Spielberg movie up, it's number one. It's practically a guarantee. Mm-hmm. And we're just kind of past that point now. But this one deserved to be number one because it was very good. I don't know if it was number one, but it was. Uh, it's a good one. So a good one. How many times can we say that? Uh, check the show notes for links and places to find us. 
Death to all traitors. Death to all traitors. <laughs> 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 <laughs>